Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors on staff at the Ridge, and our vision is to bring the hope of Jesus into every home. So as a piece of that, our goal each week is to bring you something that's hopeful and helpful. So subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any hopeful and helpful conversations. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening to this week's podcast episode. We're just finishing up our last week of Live Big as a church, and during this time, we really focused on being generous and serving others. It really has a lot to do with utilizing the things that God has given us in our lives. And no matter who we are, we all want those lives to be the best they can be. Erin Nevikosi is a staff member at The Ridge who's also a life coach. And so she's going to share some of her tips for pointing your life in the right direction. And one of her takeaways might just be to not make a resolution this year. So this is my conversation with Erin. Hi, Aaron. Thanks for coming on the podcast again. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. We're just finishing up our, our Live Big series. And as we head into December, we're then going to January and everybody knows, you know, there's, there's lots of stuff going on in January. People are trying to get their life in the right direction, right? And I know that along with the work you do for The Ridge, you are also a life coach. So what is a life coach? Yeah. So a life coach is someone who helps you improve your life. That's really the most basic definition I can give you. Uh, I think coaching is really becoming more mainstream. There's a lot of different types of coaches out there, health coaches, financial coaches, relationship coaches. I'm a more general life coach who helps people with any and all of those things, but really the total package. I, I work with people to help them identify who they want to be, what their goals in life are, and the steps that they can put in place to get closer to that ideal version of themselves and ultimately live a more fulfilling life. So that, so does somebody come in and you're like, okay, I'm going to give you 20 questions and then I'm going to go, from, we're going to go from there. Or is it like someone comes in and they're like, Aaron, I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. Would you please direct me some possible way? Yeah. I think a lot of us are there where we're like, something is not right, but I can't quite put my finger on it. And we live in such a busy, loud, distracting world that if we don't really take the time to step back and observe and do that self-reflection, we can go through our whole lives, not really living the life that we want to be living. And so a first step we do is it's called the life wheel and it takes the different major components of a person's life. And you just rate it on a scale of one to 10, like my relationships, my health, my finances, my spiritual life. What would I rate it on a scale of one to 10? And sometimes the, the answers are really surprising. You might rate something a four that you didn't even really know was a problem, but then it, it brings it to the forefront of like, Hey, I need to work on this. And so then the next step is, okay, what, what would I do or what would I need to believe or what would I need to change to get it closer to a 10? And we might start with just one area because trying to change everything all at once is a recipe for failure and overwhelm. But yeah. um, working with a coach, you can pick one area to start with to start improving. And that, then you find it has a ripple effect on the other areas of your life. Yeah. I- I'm so curious. How did how did this even start? I know I, I don't know many seven eight year olds are like I can't wait to grow up. I'm going to be a life coach, and that's just that's what's going to happen, right? So, what made you want to do this? What made you want to be a life coach? Yeah, it's funny you say it like that because 
I discovered the world of personal development probably seven years ago, you know, so in my early thirties, I guess, and just the tools that I learned and this, this whole world that I discovered, I just kept thinking, why didn't anyone teach me this sooner? Why didn't I have these tools as a child or as a young adult? My entire mindset and the way I viewed the world, the way I viewed myself and the things I did each day, how I showed up in the world, it all transformed because I discovered these things. And it made me realize that while some people are taught them, some people discover them on their own, some of the most successful people, of course, they have these tools. The majority of people don't because they're not taught in school. And if you aren't taught it from a mentor or from your parents or you and you don't find it yourself, you don't have these tools. And so you are almost like a victim of your crazy mind, <laughs> you know, your brain that's, <laughs> yeah. that's designed to keep you safe, but is th- that defaults toward the negative, you know, that can really create results in your life that you don't want to have. And so I felt like through my own transformation, which is a lifelong journey, like we never arrive, but you get on this path towards self-improvement and you see how it changes every part of your life. And I just felt so strongly that since I didn't have it and that since so many other people don't have it, I want to be able to teach them. And it's just so fulfilling to me to be able to have that kind of impact working with people. Is there anyone that like, is there any one specific tool that like really resonated with you when you first heard it? Like you don't have to go into, I'm sure there's tons and tons of things, but was there one that you heard and you're like, okay, like this made this huge impact right away. Uh, I think it's just the idea or, or the realization that life isn't happening to us. It's happening for us. And two people can have the same exact circumstance, but it's how they choose to think about it and react to it that determines the quality of their lives. And that we actually have so much control over our thoughts. Like we're thinking thoughts all day long. And of course, thoughts come into our brain that we're like, where did that come from? Or, you know, why? And then it makes like a thought that makes us feel bad. But if we're not taught to question those thoughts and redirect those thoughts in order to feel better and in order to then take better action, treat people better, treat ourselves better, then we, I think we feel like we don't have the power over our life that we actually do. And so for me, it's the power of our thoughts and our, and the power to kind of direct and control our thoughts. That was so impactful for me. That makes me think about, you know, you, you hear it be told to kids all the time. And I think that like, like you don't, you can't control what somebody does to you. You might not even be able to control how you feel about something, but you can control your reaction. You can control how you respond to that. And so it sounds like a lot of that has to do with, even when it comes to a thought or like an environmental thing, it's like, how do you prepare and like essentially train so that you can react to things in a better way? Yes. And we all do have certain tendencies. Some of us have a shorter fuse than others. Some of us are more sensitive than others, but I think it's that difference between this fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. Like, yes, no, none of us is perfect. We never will be. Something might be more of a challenge for me than for you and vice versa, but 
but having the awareness that we can change and we can improve. And it all starts with the thoughts that we're thinking and the things we believe about ourselves and about the world. I think, you know, our beliefs are instilled in us from a very early age through our parents and our environment and what we experience, but we don't have to stick with them, especially if they're not serving us. Beliefs are just like thoughts that we think over and over and over again, and we can start to choose different beliefs. And as we do that, it really translates in how we're feeling and how we're treating the people around us and showing up in our world. Okay. So let me zero in on that real real quick then. Super practical. What's something somebody can do to change what they believe about something or their belief in general? I don't know exactly how you typically phrase that, but yeah, I think this is especially at the forefront right now with like the world (laughs) that we're living in and all of the things that are happening. And I struggle with this myself, but, um, you can choose to focus on all the bad things happening in the world, or you can choose to focus on all the good things happening in the world. So I think there are people who just like me, I moved to Arizona last year and I have some people who say people in Arizona are just so friendly. And then other people who think, oh no, people here aren't friendly at all. I think we have beliefs like that about a place or a type of person, but I think you get what you're looking for. And so if you have a negative belief about a certain group of people or a certain place or just the world in general, like, oh, bad things always happen to me, or why do bad things always happen to me? You can start asking a better question, expecting better things. And as you believe those new things, you are going to find more of what you believe. So you can either choose to think, why do bad things always happen to me? Or you can think things are always working out for me. What surprise does today have in store? Like more positive things and you will find what you're looking for. Sounds to me like, like a really great first step along this is I think almost analyzing, Hey, what assumptions am I making? What are my typical trains of thought? Like, that's really good. Like, like, for example, I know there's something to the fact that like in Wisconsin, it's cold, right? (laughs) It's just freezing cold all the time. And so, and if you're thinking about that, if you're dreading it, if you're like, it's so cold, it's so cold, it's so cold, you're going to feel it more and more. Um, And so if you focus on something differently, if you say, hey, I'm going to make a different assumption, weather might not be a great example (laughs) because (laughs) it's going to be cold. Um, So that might not be the best example, but uh, it sounds like, hey, assessing what are my assumptions that I typically make about people? That's a really good one. Am I, um, and I've heard the expression a lot of times, what you are looking for, you will always find. Yep. Um, because you're looking for it. And so you can, and you can rationalize and find those things. And so I like the idea of change what you're looking for. And so maybe that's putting a question, writing down a question or something to like, say, okay, how am I looking for something positive today? And so all day you're looking for something positive. Um, I think this was one of the most impactful things that I've learned too, is that our brains are they work for us. And when we ask it, when we ask our brain a question, it cannot help, but give us an answer. So like, if I say to you, find me something green, like your reticular activating system in your brain is immediately, there you go, is going to look for something green. It's like when you buy a new car and then suddenly you see that car everywhere, like your brain takes in so much every day that it has to filter a bunch of it out. But if you tell your brain what to look for, that's what it's going to look for. But if you ask it a question, it has to find you an answer. So 
this is something that's so powerful that I heard is the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions you ask. So it goes back to the, why are bad things happening or why are good things happening? Or, you know, when I do something dumb, let's say like that happens, we all do silly things all the time, or we make mistakes, or we kind of beat ourselves up for how we handled something. We can either get angry, beat ourselves up, or, you know, go eat something or drink something or turn on the TV to distract ourselves from these bad feelings that we're feeling about something that we did. I have learned to instead ask myself the question, how can I do that better next time? How can I handle that better next time? So to just raise that self-awareness and start asking yourself better questions, and it improves your life incrementally every day, the more you think like that. Okay. So thinking about things that improve your life, I know that this whole concept moves beyond just a better life because a better life to what end, right? I mean, we all want a better life. We all want what that looks for, but um, just knowing you, I mean, you work for a church. So mm-hmm. I mean, that should say something, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a spiritual aspect to all of this as well, right? There definitely is. Um, I think I definitely work with people who don't necessarily have the faith that I do or the beliefs that I do. And sometimes it can be hard to not infuse my faith into it because for the record, it, you're not, it, you're, when you're talking about, you're working with people, oh, sorry. you're not talking about the Ridge, right? No, you all believe. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But no, if I've coached some people who I can just tell, uh, or we've talked about it and I never want to be pushy or anything. I just want to lead by example. And my faith does play a big role in how I view the world and um, my quest for continuous improvement. But I do think for people who believe in God, who have that relationship with Jesus, it does go beyond just enjoying life or having a better life. It is a matter of stewardship. And we, Mark talks about this in, in church the Bible talks about this of God gives some of us these gifts. God gives some of us these gifts. And he is looking at what are we doing with those gifts that we've been given? And we talk about a lot about our financial resources or our spiritual gifts and how we are using those. But I think beyond that, a lot of what I work with is not only our mindset, but very tangibly how are we stewarding our life in that? How are we taking care of our body? How are we taking care of this vehicle that we have been given? We all have 24 hours in a day. We don't know how many days we are going to get, but I think we can agree that each day is such a gift. It is a miracle that we are here and time is our most precious resource. And yet people, so many of us just waste so much of it. And so are we being a good steward of our time and of our health and of our relationships that we've been given in our lives, because those are all gifts from God. And I think someday we are going to meet him and give an account of how we, how we used, how well we used those gifts that he gave us. Yeah. One of the most, uh, one of the passages that, um, in the new Testament that really rings really powerful for me is, is a, it's called the parable of the, the servants or the talents, whichever you prefer. And, um, 
there's this phrase at the end where it's talking about, hey, do you want essentially God to be saying to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I know that's always a really impactful thought process for me because um, I want that. You know, I want the end of my life, Jesus, to be looking in the eye and say, well done, well yeah. done. You, you did what I wanted for, yeah, you did, you did a good job. <laughs> yeah. Um, and not in terms of anything to do with earning his love or earning forgiveness or anything like that, because we know that that's, um, that's a free gift, but more in line with just that, um, I don't know, reciprocating love. Like he's given us this amazing thing. We want to use it well. Yes. Um, and that's really powerful, especially coming out of Live Big, where we've been talking so much about mm-hmm. how do you steward things well, especially financially? How are you? Because uh, you mentioned gifts. A lot of us think, hey, our abilities. But you're right. The other gifts that we've been given our time, our our bodies, and our ability to use those things. Mm-hmm. And um, how are we maximizing it? Not even just for ourselves, but the better we're set up, right? The more impact we can make on the lives of other people. Right. Which I mean, life coach. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So you mentioned like people want to, you want to improve your life. Right. Okay. So we're coming up January one. Okay. New year's day is coming up in in a little bit less than a month. And, um, actually I think we're recording this. It's exactly one month. (laughs) Um, so how do you feel about New Year's resolutions as a life coach? Well, me personally, I have always really liked setting New Year's resolutions. I'm a pretty goal-oriented person, especially over the last few years. Um, but I have found that as I've kind of shifted the mindset toward just trying to live as well as I can and improve every day, like I don't need to make these grand declarations, but I do think January is a great time to self-reflect and start fresh. And if people want to set goals, like, yeah, it's a great time to do it. I think where resolutions go wrong, because I think we all know that most people who set new year's resolutions fail within the first few weeks. And then they get discouraged and they feel like a failure and they think, well, I guess I'll try again next year, but we only have so many years, like let's not wait. Um, And so I think the issue is that people set these short-term goals or very non-specific goals. Like there's no, it needs to be a continuous process. And I think the biggest thing is that people try to change their behaviors without changing their mindset behind it. And when we just try to change our behaviors, we're doing it on willpower alone. And willpower is a very finite resource. We only have so much willpower. So if we are in this identity of like a lot of people's new year's resolutions are around health. If I identify as someone who, I mean, I do identify as someone who loves to eat. I think a lot of us do. <laughs> um, yep, yep. But okay. Let's say I identify as someone who has a really hard time controlling herself around food. Um, then if I try to change my behavior around food without changing that belief about myself, I'm probably going to fail, you know, within, mm-hmm. uh, within a few weeks, or it, I, for a long time identified as someone who did not like working out. 
I just, that was my thought process of like, Ugh, I have to do this, or I just need to do this so that I can stay at a health, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but that was my identity. And so anytime I tried to start working out consistently within a few weeks, I would fall off the wagon. Um, and then it's, it takes so much mental energy to get back to that point of like, okay, I guess I should start again. Whereas if it's just an everyday mindset shift and mm -hmm. identity shift over time, you just become this person with new beliefs of like, I actually really like to work out because as you get stronger, it gets easier, you get better. So it's like this fluid process rather than this linear, like I'm going to do this. And if I fail, well, so be it, you know, does that make yeah. sense? Uh, totally. I think, and you mentioned, I think this is what you're getting at, right? Is that we want to be believing the correct things about ourselves, right? Yeah. And to bring it back to those who follow Jesus is we believe that God gets the right. He created us. And so he knows who we are. And so are we truly believing the things that he says that we are? Um, and that goes into like about some value things, loved, beloved, but also um, people he's empowered to like do incredible things. And so um, I do want to come back to something you said, you talked about like there being a, a finite willpower. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, that is a limited resource that we, you know, we, we wake up where his mercies are new every day. We are hopefully rested and we feel gung ho to take on the day. At least us morning people do. Um, <laughs> night but, people are like, what, what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> but as you go throughout, so you might start the day really well and in a really good mindset and but then toward the end of the day, you become tired and you become weary and you're your brain isn't as sharp and your willpower just isn't as strong. And so you're going to be much more likely to give in to the, the poor decision eating wise, or you're going to skip your workout if you haven't done it yet. Um, and that just makes sense. That's how we're wired as humans. But again, if you make these things more of a non-negotiable, you make a really good plan you're believing the right things, thinking the right thoughts. And in the case of a life coach, you have someone who's working through it and kind of holding you accountable. And um, then you're, you're more likely to succeed, but willpower alone is never going to get you there. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is don't make a new year's resolution, <laughs> right? So if I'm not making a new year's resolution, what am I doing instead? Yeah, I think um, it starts with self-awareness and we all have different varying levels of self-awareness. We are, like I said, we live in a loud, distracting world and you can distract yourself all day and not really know where you're at in different areas. Ooh, of your life. Let me pause you there. How can you discover what your level of self-awareness is? Ooh. Well, how much are you... Observe your thoughts. That's what is so cool about us as humans. We have a brain, but we also have a mind. Like our brain is doing all these things, but we have this like our soul, our consciousness, our higher self that can actually observe the thoughts that we're thinking. It's like we're almost having a conversation mm -hmm. inside that's like, 
why are you thinking that? Like, you should think this instead. And it's that quiet, like the brain, (laughs) the brain's really loud. The mind, the higher self, that connection to God, that is quieter, but that is who we really are, you know? And so how much of that quiet voice are you allowing in? And how much of that are you allowing to question those thoughts, those noisy thoughts in your brain? And those maybe negative beliefs you might have about yourself or about the world. So I think that's a really good first first step is as you're going through your day, really observe what's going on in your brain and start Mm -hmm. to actually question it. So like keeping track of like the way that you think about things, the way that you're doing things. I also imagine some of self-awareness too is probably developed by, not even developed by, but you can assess it by talking to people that you trust have a good assessment of you because if they're really good friends or um i guess it can be dangerous but significant others as well um does your line of thinking about things and who you are line up with what they're what they think for example like if i were to say hey aaron i think i'm a very gifted singer um (laughs) you would be like john no You're delusional. <laughs> yes. Right. And so my self-awareness might not be right where it's uh tip top, but that's super interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. So all this information, trying to figure out their self-awareness, you're trying to assess where you're going. What does this next year look like? Um, you mentioned a, a few things in this, but what's, what's my first step? Yeah. So I'm a big, I like to write things down. I like to journal again. I, the brain is a question answering mechanism. So if you literally just pose yourself a question on paper, you know, 10, give yourself 10, 15 minutes. What do I want or who do I want to be? And just see what comes out on paper. I think, you know, we've all heard the, the question, what would Jesus do? I think, of course, (laughs) some of us have heard it too much, right? (laughs) A wonderful question to ask and to live by, but we can also start asking, what would the better version of me do in this situation? Hmm. And I think, so the first step is identifying who is that person and being as detailed as possible. None of us is perfect. Like I said, there's no, this world is far from perfect, but let's just say in a perfect world, what would the ideal version of me look like and get down to the nitty gritty? How much sleep do they get? What do they eat? How do they talk to people? How often do they exercise? What do they do in their leisure time? What do they do for a living? What are their goals? Like we don't ask ourselves these questions enough, I think. And so if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to get there. But if you identify, okay, here's this ideal version of me. And then here's who I am now. And how big is that gap between the two? And then identifying, okay, I know who this ideal version is. I think this is the secret of the world is to act as if you are already that person and to always be asking yourself, what would she or he do in this situation? We're not always going to get it right, but at least if we have an idea of who that person is, we can start being more like that person. Hmm. You know? Yeah, I really like that. I mean, I don't and I would encourage anyone who's a follower of Jesus. One of those questions can be, okay, what does a what is a disciple? What is the best version of myself as a disciple? 
do. I would encourage them to think about that for this next year as you're trying to incorporate, because um, I know one of one of the activities you can do is focusing on, hey, what are the, those B words? For example, one of mine is faithful. And um, that includes everything from, you know, faithful to my commitments to to faithful to to Jesus, to my disciplines and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's great. I- I would say as a follower of Jesus, I, we are called to bring people to him and our life is our message to the world. What we're putting out there in real life on social media, how we're spending our time, how we're taking care of ourselves, how we're treating others. That is our message. And the better stewards we can be of all those things the, I think the more likely we are to inspire the people around us to also want to live in that way and to be drawn into whatever we've got going on, which is Jesus, you know? Um, so I think looking at it through that lens too, can give us the push and the motivation to do the hard things, to do the, the healthy things. Um, even if they're not always easy, but, but just knowing that, overall, that's going to, that's going to help others as it helps us too. Yeah. That you just, as people search for a grander purpose, you know, um, and even tying in this to a grander purpose, the life that you lead leads others. Um, yeah. I've never heard that before. Maybe I just came up with that. Who knows? That's good. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> um, I love that. Awesome. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. Thanks for taking some time to talk about this stuff. Uh, I know lots of people are thinking about it this time of year or will be um, in about a month. So, Mm -hmm. but why not start now? And uh, thanks for, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, that was my conversation with Aaron. I really loved Aaron sharing about the idea that working on the things in your life is important, not just because we want to be better, but because of the importance of stewarding well, what God has given us. Aaron actually shared with me a resource to help you get started. So follow the link in our show notes and we'll send it to you. Now, if you found today's episode helpful, then please follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss any hopeful and helpful conversations.